Oh, I want to I want to add an amendment because last week I said I would kill a person. Well, <laughs> I need to I need to make people aware. I just watched the beginnings of Evil Genius and that guy begging for his life from the, the oh, collar gosh. bomb and nope, nope, changed my mind. Don't don't think I could do that either. Yeah, you're way too much of an that, empath. I could I know I could line people up for a guillotine though. Yeah, eat the rich. Yeah. But anyway, I just wanted to make that amendment because uh, I felt like I needed to let people know that 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 you're not actually a giant threat to society. Well, no. At least not in that regard. I mean, yes, exactly. (laughs) I'll still steal some Pokemon cards, (laughs) given the opportunity. That's what I did when I was nine. I would go to the local like store and I would like wear my big old cargo pants that we wore back in the 90s. And I would stick Pokemon cards in my pocket. I'm not going to say that I put that business out of business, but that business later went out of business. It was probably a bunch of people putting stuff into the pockets of their Jinko jeans. That's true. It was easy enough for a nine-year-old to do it. Welcome to The Strange and Unusual, where we discuss the strange and unusual. This is episode 35 of our series, seeking out the weird, the unexplained, and the devious from around the world. I'm Roya. And I'm Casey. And today we're back in the U.S. discussing a serial killer. Voted on by you, Twisted Freaks. And who did you pick? (laughs) Dennis fucking Raider. You sick! BTK, you motherfuckers. You did it. You did it. You had to pick the guy who so desperately wanted to sit at the cool killer's table, but just quite isn't quite up to snuff. You can't sit with us. I just... Ugh. Ugh, this guy is the worst. I mean, he's... I want you all to know. He's not, but he's bad. Like, no serial killer is good. But he is definitely on the shitty side. No, this thing that makes him really shitty is how desperately he wants to be, I'm a cool bad guy. Yeah. So, as I stated previously, we are covering BTK. Um, he's a relatively, like, in the scheme of serial killers, relatively recently cost, caught. Yep. And uh, Casey and I both kind of hate him a lot. So. Yep. But it's not that he is the worst serial killer that I have ever researched or watched documentaries about or something. He's bad. Obviously, he took human lives. He's not a good guy. It's the desperation he has to feel on par with what he considered the greats. Ted Bundy, Son of Sam, Zodiac all of these different serial killers from all around the U.S. that he wanted to be a part of that circle so badly yep. that he did these things. That comes up a little bit uh, later with his arrest, too. Yeah. Yeah. And it, I, it comes up all throughout it, which is why I really think that he... There's another... Uh, there's a British serial killer that was similar 
um, is just so obsessed with the idea of being famous that it didn't necessarily matter to him how he got there. And thought he could, and thought thought so well that he could, you know, elude everyone and pull off the perfect crimes, and he got real close. But we'll get into mm. that. That's important later. Oh, damn. <laughs> We're already getting started, and we haven't even gotten started. So, Dennis, uh, he was born Dennis Lynn Rader on March 9th, 1945, to Dorothea and Elvin Rader. He was one of four brothers raised in Wichita, Kansas. Um, the brothers were latchkey crat, latchkey crats, latchkey, okay, blah, blah, blah. The brothers were latchkey kids, which made Denny big sad. What does that mean? Oh, he was so sad. His mother neglected him. She never paid attention to him because, you know, she was so busy feeding and housing four children. Oh, well, I've never heard the latchkey kids phrase before. Oh, uh, latchkey kids, like the kids that came home without their parents being home. So like, like I had like a house key when I was like nine. Yeah, kids who had a key <laughs> to their house to come in after school or after events or things like that, knowing that oh their parents God. might not necessarily be there. Oh, God. So poor Dennis. Poor Dennis. From the very beginning, Denny was fucked up. Oh. He had sadistic sexual fantasies about torturing helpless women. Oh. He was also a zoo sadist, torturing, killing, and hanging small animals for to fulfill this sexual fantasy that he could not quite yet fulfill on women. Uh, real quick, we should probably make sure we put a content warning in this episode. <laughs> if they don't... <laughs> before we get any further. If they don't get an idea of this guy by our beginning. <laughs> All right. So, content warning. <laughs> Um, <laughs> pretty much uh, so he's a zoo sadist which I just covered um, he there is some um, child deaths and uh, sexual assault and obviously murder and you know having to sit here for however long we prattle on about this incredible scumbag human being I mean, that's a content warning in and of itself that you have yeah, to listen to any of this. I mean, you don't have to, but really appreciate it. Yeah. So he started acting out some of these sexual fantasies that I will list. I am not, for the record, yucking anyone's yum, but Dennis fucking sucks. So I'm yucking his yums because I hate him and he doesn't deserve acceptance. He's the worst. So he was slash is into voyeurism, autoerotic asphyxiation, and cross-dressing. He was also a peeping Tom. Gross. Ew. He would steal women's clothing and delicates and wear them as he peeped. Double gross. Mm. He would also use ropes or other bindings while he masturbated. However, like most truly fucked up people... No one ever suspected this, and he was seen as, quote, normal and polite and well-mannered. Mm -hmm. 
he became quite a pillar of the community, which is another podcast I listen to. I believe it is um, Wine and Crime. It says, never trust the pillars of your community. I don't. I don't even know who they are. So, um, Dennis went to Kansas Wesleyan University, but dropped out after a year because he sucks. Then he joined the Air <laughs> Force. He joined the Air Force, and after being there for four years between 1966 and 1970, uh, here he began to solicit sex workers and stalking women in the community where he was stationed. Um, he moved to Park City when he was uh, discharged, where he worked in the the meat department, the meat department of a supermarket. That mm, that does not bode well for me. <laughs> Diddy met and married his poor wife Paula on May twenty second, nineteen seventy one. Um, they would later have two children. He earned an associate's degree in electronics in 1973. Boo. Ew. Then went on to Wichita State University, where he received a bachelor's degree in administration of justice in 1979. He worked for the Wichita Office of ADT Security Services from 1974 to 1988. This is a man who was a field technician who was installing home security services in people's homes. Keep that in mind for later. Yeah, that's, mm-hmm, yep. And he was doing so all throughout the height of the BTK killings. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm going over the history and then I'm going to go over the crime. So it's going to go a little bit out of order as far as what I'm talking about here. Versus when the crimes actually happen. So I apologize for that. It's the way that made the most sense to me. This is all the Denny backstory. In 1999, or 1999, 1991, Denny became a dog catcher and compliance officer in Park City, Kansas. He was recalled by the neighborhoods as being extremely strict and a bit overzealous to catch the neighborhood dogs. You know like someone who tortured animals as a child might be. Yep. He was noted as being specifically difficult and seemed to even take pleasure in bullying single women when he was able to. Um, One neighbor complained that Raider had her dog euthanized only to spite her. Yeah, that sounds about right. In a documentary I watched, the dog had gotten out of its yard, and it was kind of a frequent, like, fence jumper um and dennis knew that this dog was her dog and rather than returning the dog back to the owner like most dog catchers do if they know who the dog belongs to he took it to the shelter and lied in order to have it put down so now that we've caught you up a little bit on the normal shit that denny lynn had going on in his life let's get up Let's get into the other fucked up shit he was also doing. So, on January 15th, my birthday, 1974, not my birthday. I I didn't make that connection. (laughs) I think I was trying really hard not to. Uh, Four members of the Otero family were murdered in Wichita. 
the bodies were unfortunately discovered by the eldest child, uh, their son, Charlie. And the eldest child or Charlie, yeah. Yeah, and he was only in 10th grade. So definitely, I mean, it will never be something that you will be able to have for to see a murder of anyone. Um, but definitely not your father, mother, and two younger siblings. And, like, young siblings. Yeah. So the mm. victims were Joseph Otero, 38, Julie Otero, 33, Josephine Otero, age 11, and Joseph Jr., age 9. Dennis came into the Otero's family home between 7 and 7.30 in the morning. He had meticulously put together what he called his hit kit. It had guns, cords, knives, and multiple tools. He cut the phone lines and broke into the home. He knew Julie, the mother, and the two kids would be home. He, however, did not expect Joseph to be home, the father. He took the gun out and told the family that all he wanted was some food and money in a car, and that he was a criminal on the run from justice. He took them into the bedroom and tied their hands and feet together. He strangled Mrs. Otero until she passed out, not realizing how hard and for how long you have to strangle someone to kill them, because he sucks. He's he's a fucking idiot. Then fucking Dennis moved on to Mr. Otero. He put a plastic bag over his head and tied it with a cord. He did the same thing with Joseph Jr. He struggled to keep control of the scene with the parents because they woke up at least once before being successfully strangled to death. Denny thinks that um, Joseph Sr., the father, tore a hole, was able to bite a hole into the bag and started breathing that way and was able to actually get back up and give quite a bit of a fight. Good. Um, but then he handled the situation and he took Josephine to the basement and hung her by a pipe. This fulfilled some of his sexual fantasies <laughs> resulting in some semen being left at the scene. Mm. And mm. just as a reminder, this is 1974 way before anyone was even considering the possibility of DNA. But not any way to actually test someone and see yes, you are definitely the person who deposited the semen at the scene, like we have now. Well, yeah, DNA was discovered well before that. It was like 53 or something, I think. Yeah, but the Uh, ability to test it. Right. So Dennis stole a watch and a radio from the home. He had a bit of a thing about doing this. Strangulation and souvenir keeping will follow him all throughout his crimes because it was exceedingly important for him to have a modus operandi because Mm. he wanted to be a serial killer. Because he's disgusting and awful and we hate him. Yep. On April 4th, 1974, he waited inside the apartment of Catherine Bright, a woman he had stalked and and considered one of his, quote, projects, which is what he would call the people that he saw as potential victims. He also gave them 
yeah, he also gave them all, like, nicknames and different things in a coded diary that I'm sure Casey will talk about later. When she returned home, he rushed out of his hiding place to attack. However, he wasn't expecting Catherine's younger brother to be there. It was explained that he told them the same story he had told the Otero family. He was a criminal in need of a car, food, and money. He took them to the bedroom and had Kevin tie up his sister, Catherine. He then took Kevin to a different bedroom to tie him up. And while Denny tried to, Kevin fought back because Kevin was a 19-year-old guy and wasn't about to let this happen. And he almost got the gun back from, or got the gun away from Dennis when, of course, scumbag Dennis shot Kevin in the head twice. Catherine, Catherine, however, proved to be just as full of fight as Kevin, and after hearing the gunshots, knew what was going to happen. And so when Dennis realized he couldn't subdue her enough to strangle her, he instead stabbed her multiple times, because she put up one hell of a fight. Yes, she did. While Dennis was attacking Catherine, guess what fucking happened? Kevin got up. He ran to his car a few blocks away and drove off in search of help. Shot in the head twice. Oh, boy. When emergency services got to her home, Catherine Bright was still alive. But despite all efforts, multiple surgeries, and blood transfusions, she ended up passing away from her injuries. Oh. Kevin survived, though. And described, wow. and described the assailant as an average-sized guy with a bushy mustache and psychotic eyes. He was not wrong. No, he was not wrong. Pillar of the community, he should yep. have said. <laughs> he looked like an absolute pillar of, pillar the, of community. the community. He looks like someone I would trust with my dog. Yeah, absolutely. Um, in October 1974... He confessed to the crime via an anonymous letter that he had stashed inside an engineering book in the public library. Ugh, I forgot about that. The letter got to a local newspaper, and it was poorly written because Dennis sucks. Mm-hmm. He said in the Big letter... that dummy. He said in the letter, It's hard to control myself. You probably call me uh, psychotic with sexual perversion hang-up. The code words for me will be bind them, torture them, kill them. B-T-K. Because Dennis is a loser and had to name himself. Didn't I hear that he, like, tried, like, he, like, gave them, like, a list of, if you don't like that, you could also call me this. Yeah, the Wichita Strangler and the... Something something ripper and the the poetic strain. Oh trailer. yeah, because he wrote. Oh, he's disgusting. He's the worst. The worst. Because again, let's remind you guys that he's trying to be a serial killer. He's trying to emulate what he thinks and knows serial killers did. So leaving an anonymous letter. Who else has done that? Jack the Ripper. Zodiac, Son of Sam. 
yeah. all of these people that he looks up to have done this. So this is the necessary next step in order for him to be considered a full-blown serial killer in his mind. Yeah, but he sucks. He does. No one is disagreeing with the fact that he sucks. Good. The next confirmed crime happened in March of 1977. He had been, as he called it, trolling, meaning that he was searching for a potential victim. He had been after another woman who was luckily not home at the time, but that didn't stop him from meeting a five-year-old boy named Steve Relford. Using a picture of Dennis's own family as a ruse, he asked the small child if Steve had seen the people in the photo. When Steve said no and went home, later that day, Dennis came back, this time posing as a detective and knocking on the door. Steve answered it, and after hearing that Dennis was a detective, let him in, because he's a kid and you're supposed to trust the police. At least in Not the, my kids. At least in 1977. My kids don't exist, but if they did, they would not. I mean, Jackson's no narc. That's true. He knows that bitches get stitches. When Shirley Vianne came out of the bedroom to see a strange man in her home, she was clearly startled. He pulled out his gun and forced the kids into the bathroom and locked them inside. He told Shirley that he just needed to have sex, and then he would leave. He was able to calm her down, giving her a cigarette and a glass of water. And while her children screamed, locked in the bathroom, this absolute monster strangled their mother to death. He again left a deposit of semen in her panties that were found next to her body. Because he's a fucking idiot. Also, I know some people hate the word panties. I can't not say it because that's how I was raised. Underwear. Panties. Pantaloons. Undergarments. Um, in December 1977, he became obsessed with stalking Nancy Fox. He cut uh. the phone line to her house and broke in. He waited for her inside like the fucking creepo he was. When she found him, he told her that he had a sexual issue and the only way for him to get rid of this issue was to tie her up and rape her. He tied her up and strangled her while confessing to her who he was and what he had done to the previous families before her. When her body was found, her nightgown was next to her with another deposit of semen on it. I just... Okay. I... The fact that he would do this thing where he sits down and, like, tries to have a conversation with these people and, like, I just need to have sex. And, you know, maybe if you would just have sex with me, I could leave. The minute somebody starts telling you who they are and confessing shit to you, you're dead. Oh, yeah. That's the thing. Um, A friend of mine in high school... She always said that, like, you know, and it, it makes sense that if you ever are in a position where you're, like, going to be sexually assaulted or attacked, like, if they show you their face, fight back. Yep. Because that's never going to be a good sign. Like, that's an intention of you not making it out of this to describe to someone what they look like. So, yeah. Then it sucks. Mm-hmm. Moving on. (laughs) 
So also this year, Dennis got irritated with the perceived lack of coverage over the BTK slayings and wrote a letter to the local TV station stating, how many people do I have to kill before I get a name in the paper or some national attention? Again, showing what Dennis was really after in all of this. Notoriety. Notice me. Also, the um, sitting down and having a conversation and explaining who you are to someone is something that Golden State Killer did as well. So there's that correlation to another well-known serial killer around the same time period that he could have been emulating. Because he can't think for himself. No, he can't do anything original. Because he's a fuckwit. In January 1978, Denny sent a poem to a local newspaper about the VM murder called Shirley Locks. In a following letter, he admitted to seven homicides and claimed to have the quote, Factor X, which was some bunk science at the time, stating that some people have this in their genetics that predispose them to being a murdering pile of shit, such as Ted Bundy and David Berkowitz, son of Sam, which he also references in that same fucking letter. Look at me, look at me, I'm like them, I'm like them. Yeah, I'm 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 also like Teddy. I'm charismatic and uh, you know. I've had a list of like ten people to emulate and Ted Bundy was on that list. It's either a really shitty list or he's my bottom choice. Yeah, I wanna be exactly like a necrophile. Thanks. Yeah, and I wanna be a failed everything. Yeah. Because like He didn't fail he at couldn't... escaping. No, but he, like, couldn't get through fucking school and shit. And... Yeah, because he was too busy trying to murder people. Yeah, because he's a fucking failure. Loser. He's dead. Ha. <laughs> burn, Bundy, burn. Oh, man. It was Friday. That's still one of my favorite last words. Was this mm. uh, murder whose last name was Fry. Oh, or was was, uh, was French. And so he's like, I can see the headlines tomorrow. French fries. I like that. That guy was clever. <laughs> Even if he was a fucking idiot. <laughs> Alright. So, throughout the following years, he was every bit the doting husband and involved father um, as well. So his son was born in 1975 and his daughter was born in 1978. And I should note that throughout all of this, no one in the family had any idea what was happening. Yep. Absolutely no idea. No idea. In April of 1979, Denny broke into the home of an elderly woman, but left before she returned. Don't worry, that didn't stop him from being an absolute pile of shit and sending her a letter letting her know that he had been inside her home and who he was. Hmm. How would you ever sleep again? You don't. I would be moving out of Wichita yep. and buying like six Dobermans and a gun. Like Yep. Um, so trying to figure out where to go next, the police in Wichita released the nineteen seventy seven recording. So he had called in on one of the murders and basically said there's been a murder. You should probably go to her. 
And, I mean, he wasn't quite the weepy voice killer, but pretty close, probably, because he sucks. And that's or a real... just his normal voice. <laughs> that is a real He's serial killer shit. also, by the way. The weepy voice oh, well. But, who did sound like that. He had, like... <laughs> like, that's how he sounded on all of the recordings. It's terrifying. I fucking hate that. <laughs> He's just, like, sobbing the whole time, but he's not because he's a monster. I fucking hate that. So, the police trying to figure out what to do next released the recording that they had when he called in um, saying that there had been a murder that needed to be investigated, hoping that someone would recognize it. They never really got any leads because no one suspected Dennis. No one in his life thought he was capable of this. A documentary I watched talked to one of his co-workers that worked at the police. I almost said the police company. Um, the police department with him and said that if she had to pick anyone at the department at the time, if she had had to pick anyone in the department to go with her down a, a dark, lightless alley, it would have been Dennis. She trusted That's... him that much. That is so fucked. That just gives me the willies. Right? Yep. Don't like it. So several years passed before Denny Lynn struck again. On April 27th, 1985, he killed his neighbor, Marine Hedge. Um, he was in the middle of a Boy Scout meeting because, of course, he was a fucking troop leader. When suddenly he said he needed to leave because he had a severe headache. He walked to his car, which was parked near a bowling alley, and went inside, got a beer, uh, swished it around in his mouth some, spit it out, and then spilled some of the beer on his shirt um, to appear drunk and smell drunk. Mm. And so he called a cab to take him to Park City, where he lived. When he got to Hedge's home, her car was there. He cut the phone line and broke in. But then he realized that no one was home. So true to form, Denny hid in her closet. Maureen came home with a man, and Dennis remained hidden until after 1 a.m. when the man had left and Maureen had gone to sleep. He came out of hiding. This is the most terrifying imagery, so I don't know. Caution. Uh, he came out of hiding turned on the bathroom light that was connected to Maureen's bedroom and stood in it, waiting for her to wake up and see that there was a stranger standing in her room. I hate this. Before jumping on her and choking her to death. When she died, he took her body outside and put it in the trunk of his car. He drove to the church that he was a member of because he had a key as a trusted, God-fearing, pillar of the community. Mm -hmm. He photographed the body of the dead woman that he had just murdered in the church that he prayed to Jesus in in several different lewd poses before picking the body back up, putting it back in her trunk, dumping it on the side of the road where it was found days later. Did we mention that this guy's a fuckface? <laughs> Also emulating another serial killer whose name escapes me right now. In September of 1986, 
mother of two, Vicki Weggerly, was, was the next to catch Denny Lynn's attention. He would creep around outside of her home and listen to her play the piano during the day. I don't like that. On the 16th of September, he dressed up like a telephone repairman and knocked on the door. She let him in, thinking that he was there to fix the phone line that he had cut. But instead, he cut out a section of the inside of the house of the cord and tried to tie her up. She fought hard. She cut up his face and sliced up his face with her nails. He did still end up strangling her to death. He took photos of the body in different positions and stole her car. Her husband saw her car going the opposite direction of the house while he was driving home, but he couldn't tell who was driving the car. When he arrived home, he found his two-year-old son alone and in the living room unharmed. But then he found Vicky in the bedroom in the situation that she was in and got her to the hospital, but she was pronounced dead a few hours later. With the fucking kid in the house. Yep. The second time with the kid in the house. Because... At least he didn't kill the kids. These I times. I mean, yes. These times. It's super crazy to me. Like, it makes me wonder if he had a harder time killing the kids after his were born after his were born yeah because i was thinking the first one was in 74 and you said his first child was born in 76 uh 75 i think 75 and 78 yeah one yeah. of those 75 and 78 yeah and 74 was the otero murders right where he murdered the kids yeah and then 77 was um nancy fox so the year before his daughter was born yeah. So he was literally killing people like while his wife was pregnant. Yep. Which also makes me wonder if he wasn't getting satisfied at home because she was pregnant and didn't maybe feel up to it, which makes sense. And so that's what caused him. Not that it caused, that's not what I meant to say, but that's what he felt he was not getting what he deserved as a husband at home. And so it caused him to think that he needed to go out and hurt these women in order to get whatever he couldn't get from his wife. Well, I highly doubt she was letting him strangle her. No, she wasn't. She had no idea of any of his sexual fetishes or anything. No idea. Yeah. Like, she was, I mean, you probably will talk about it, but she was, like, completely in his corner until she started finding shit. Like... <laughs> It yep. was it was a very um, Liz and Ted Bundy sort of relationship where it's like, it can't be him, it can't be him, but wait a second, maybe it's him. Okay, yeah, it's him. But, <clears throat> so, in 1991, Raider was looking for an easy victim, having learned in the past that older women didn't fight as much as younger women. And he had just gotten his ass kicked by Vicki Wegerly a few years earlier. So he found 62-year-old Dolores Davis. She lived a mile and a half away from Denny. He was going on a camping trip with the Boy Scouts on January 19th. Wholesome. Killer and, of the community. 
and made an excuse to slip away from the campout. He changed into his, quote, hit clothes. Ugh. He's not the fucking worst. And drove to the Baptist Church in Park City, where he was a pillar of the community, and parked his car, walking the rest of the way to Davis's house. He waited until she was asleep before he broke the glass door, and Dolores came out of her bedroom and found him. He again said that he needed money, a car, and food, and that he was going to tie her up. He tied her up and then strangled her to death. He took the body to the trunk of her own car and drove to a nearby lake and hid the body in evidence. He drove back to Davis's house to wipe down the fingerprints and then went back to the church and then took his car back to her body and put her in his trunk, dumping her under a bridge. Seems like a lot of steps. Yeah, that's, that's too much for me. He changed back into his scout uniform then and returned to camp as though nothing happened. The next night, he went back to the body and took photographs of it. Of course he did. After this, nothing. Not a peep for years and no other known murders. Well, why? Did you notice how many years were in between the murders? Denny was busy, pretending to be a normal family man and not an absolute piece of shit he was. He had kids to raise. If he wasn't involved in their life the way that Paula, his wife, thought that he should be, then she might grow suspicious, and she might figure it out. She might start nosing around in the shed where he spends an awful lot of time. One of the things that I read that I thought was real fucking curious was apparently they wrote or they printed one of his letters in the newspaper and his wife was like, oh, look, he misspells that word the way you yeah. misspell that word. And he was like, I thought I was going to have to kill her then, but she didn't say anything else. Yeah. I was like, you are a fuck face. Yeah, yeah. He's a fucking disgusting piece of absolute trash who is a hundred percent derivative of serial killers other than him. Because he wants to be part of the cool kids club, and this is the only way he knows how to. Well. Because you want to aspire to be a serial killer. I don't fucking understand. Do you want to know what happens in 2004? I do. Tell me. Okay. So as you said, 1991 to uh, 2004, Denny McFuckface was on the down low. (laughs) (laughs) So for these 10 years, Mr. Fuckface uh, was on his so-called good behavior but it was on the 30th anniversary of the otero family murders that everything changed uh so um 2004 uh it's january 25th the wichita eagle wait not 25th 15th sorry uh the wichita eagle printed a story written by hearst laviana i think that's how you say his name um btk case unsolved 30 years later and look i know i just got started but i need to say i fucking see you wichita eagle i could barely navigate the page for this article with all those fucking ads you put in you know your bread and butter and you're not afraid to benefit from it you sick fucks anyway so the article begins with 
It was a routine followed by thousands of Wichita women in the late 1970s. Upon arriving home, check the phone immediately. If the line is dead, get out. What a scary thing. The idea that you would have to go so far into your home... Because, like, who had a, a phone right by the door? Right by the door. I no. mean, maybe if all of this was happening, you would move one there. <laughs> I would. But. So. That's this super. Article. Ooh, that's super scary. Yeah. It sparks in Dennis the drive to continue what he had started. Turns out he missed the media spotlight. Of course he fucking uh, did. So in this article, Dennis discovers that a Wichita lawyer, Robert Beatty, is writing a book about him. It also alleges that basically nobody remembers him. And both of these things piss him off because I guess he a doesn't like the idea of somebody else writing the book of his life. And he doesn't like the idea of being forgotten. Yeah, and didn't, um, if I remember this case correctly... Didn't BD say that BTK was either dead or in prison? Yeah, he and basically said. And that's why he was never caught is because he just never admitted to he it. Was, one, of the, one of the other theories was that he was too old and unfit. Yeah, I could see how that would bother someone going through a midlife crisis. Like, I could see how that would bother someone who was a serial killer and absolute piece of shit going through a midlife crisis. Like, Jesus Christ, can you imagine? That's probably, like, the most unstable he's ever been in the middle of a midlife crisis. Like, and then being told, like, oh, yeah, no one remembers you. This, This one thing that you did that for some reason you're fucking proud of. You know, everybody thinks that you're dead or you're in prison or you're a piece of garbage. Yeah. You're a complete like invalid. (laughs) You should have been. So. Someone hit him with a car. (laughs) So that March old Denny decides he's going to write a letter. Yeah. He is old. To, to, uh, Lavinia. Shit. Laviana. I keep wanting to say Lavinia. And I'm like, that's not his fucking name. Laviana. At the Eagle who wrote that article. So, this letter is signed with the name Bill Thomas Kilman. Ha. Ha ha. Yeah, fucking clever. Not. So, in this letter, he includes photocopies of photos he had taken of uh of vicky how do we say it vegerly Weggerly. whatever i think and that's how i I, I I just went full german on her last name Weggerly. <laughs> Weggerly. <laughs> and um and photos of her driver's license it had the btk symbol on it and it's just ugh if you have not seen this logo it is literally the worst he made the B in BTK a pair of boobs like some 12-year-old boy. Ugh. But he has to have a symbol because Zodiac. It's boobs. And he has to send evidence into the police and into the newspaper. Well, yes. Because Zodiac and Jack the Ripper. 
his heroes. <laughs> so from the content, I wish you could they, hear my eye roll. After I no, I I can hear it. <laughs> I can hear the eye roll. So they decide this is a legit letter, and it's not some copycat because of the amount of goodies that he put inside. So yeah. the letter gets sent to the FBI, and the profilers get involved. The investigation gets covered by the media, which just tickles Denny, who sends yet another letter that May. This time, it's sent to KAKE-TV. And I don't know if it's KAKE or CAKE-TV, but right. um, <laughs> it's going to be CAKE from here on out because it's easier to say. Uh, okay, I'm back. You know that? That sound clip that you said you took of me going, uh, uh, uh. yeah, that would be really appropriate for this episode. <laughs> Cake TV is what you're talking about. Yeah, Cake TV. Oh no, we're not calling it that. <laughs> it is not that. Nope. So this station did a lot of coverage on Dennis's story and he apparently liked the work they were doing. I don't know. So the letter this time is from Thomas B. Kingman. TBK. That's right. And this letter contains some different things, but most notably they get this word puzzle, a coded message like Zodiac Zodiac did it. So, uh, it also contained an outline for a book called The BTK Story. Are you ready for this? God, I hate him, yeah. This outline included such chapters as A Serial Killer is Born. (laughs) Why? Fantasy World. Treasured Memories. Oh my god. and, And Final Curtain Call. I hate Just him. Just to name a few. I hate him so much. He also had chapters called Dawn and Dusk. I just, okay, I'm done. I can't, I can't, I can't. Okay. So this was just the start of the packages that were sent out and placed for a fun police scavenger hunt. You know, normal shit for the vice president of the church congregation. Pillar, Pillar of the community. Of the community. <laughs> He would place these throughout the city and then call or write letters to the media, letting them know where to find them. One package was left on a stop sign that had been labeled BTK Fieldgram. Inside was a creepy typewritten depiction of the Otero murders, dated 1974 in which Dennis wrote the story in the third person. And he really zhuzhed it up. He like, it was like one of those bad dramatizations from any true crime show, really. <laughs> like, imagine he's just like, and I was the fucking bad guy. And I was bad. A dessert known as a blizzard. <gasps> That's right. So, Uh, It contained uh, another list of chapters from his very special autobiography and a sketch of a naked woman hanging from a rope, which he had titled 
the sexual thrill is my bill. Excuse me while I gag. (laughs) He later said, all of this was symbolic. It was in Kansas, on a stop sign. As if to say, stop and look, people of Kansas. So symbolism, all relative, because I would not have fucking gotten that. I would have thought more like, just try and stop me or something, you know. But so he says the pole was meant to symbolize a penis or something. And the plastic bag it was in and the tape he used to secure the bag were the symbols of bondage. Uh, He planted it on June 12th, uh, which is 612- and they're both divisible by three. And he had this weird thing about the number three. And I think I read that his daughter's birthday was June 12th, uh, which he said it was not intentional, but. Uh, and I that's, ugh. like nobody gets that shit, but you brah. You're but not that's special. The thing. Like that's the thing with compulsion. You're not special. So anyway, another one was found on June 17th at the Wichita Public Library in the book return box, which was labeled BTK. So the staff member who found it saw it in the bottom of the box and immediately called the police. This one included a letter that basically said he was just waiting for the right time to commit his next, quote, hit. It also included a story about Jake Allen, a 19-year-old who had allegedly committed suicide by laying on railroad tracks. So, he's basically saying, I'm responsible for that death. And in this story, he claims that he had lured Jake to the tracks through online communications. He wrote, quote, Jakey had fantasies about sexual masturbation in unusual ways with bondage and homosexual thrills while i peck this out my sparky is going hard is what now i'm <laughs> Did sorry you not hear about this <laughs> he would call his climaxing the sparky big time oh jesus christ i'm dying <laughs> i'm literally deceased <laughs> Please call Elise so, so she can call emergency services. So his get my life insurance going policy. hard. <laughs> so, upon I can't believe you didn't know that. That is the best thing to surprise you in this whole thing. So, hold on, I gotta call Elise and tell her you're dead. I'm gonna, I'm gonna actually call her. Oh my god. She just brought me bacon. She was like, oh no, she choked on the bacon. She's dead. Upon further investigation, there is found to be no connection between Jake Allen and Denny Winnie Pissy Penny. The story. (laughs) That's the episode title. (laughs) The story was deemed to be a hoax. And officially, Jake's death uh, is still determined to be a uh, suicide. Then... Dennis later came out and said, oh yeah, that was all bullshit. I just wanted to see the police waste their time. (laughs) I'm so smart and important. So what I'm gathering is that Denny was the original edgelord. Oh yeah. Oh, for sure. Cringy AF. I think that's what the kids say nowadays. Yeah. So, one package 
is found in October by a UPS driver, and it includes an autobiography with fake dates and locations he had lived, trying to mislead the police, probably. It also contained pictures of children. I like where this is going. But it wasn't just like, you know, just some pictures of kids, of course. These were pictures of children that he had drawn on, that he had drawn ropes and gags and torture devices on. Real feel-good stuff. Pillar of the community. Yeah, I was about to say, that's exactly what I expect from my Pillar of the Community. Vice exactly. President of the Baptist Church. Yeah, perfect. No, Christ normal. Lutheran. Christ Lutheran. Oh, Christ Lutheran. Oh, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I got my flavors of Christianity wrong. <laughs> He starts making phone calls to Cake TV. I can't say it with a straight face. Um, but he tries to get them to air his confessions and shit on air. But no one takes him seriously. And then he called in a bomb threat to a place that was absolute bullshit. He'd just left a package there and apparently nobody had discovered it yet. And he was upset about that. So... In that box, which was labeled BTK and BOMB, because BOMB starts with a B. It's really into symbolism. Inside the box was a bound and gagged Barbie doll with Nancy Fox's actual driver's license. Not just a photocopy this time. And he included a story about her murder as well. Cake TV received a postcard in January of 2005, around the anniversary of the Otero killings. It was sent from S. Killett. From Skillet. At 803 North Edgemore. And does that sound familiar? It should, because it was the Otero's home address. In this letter, he directs investigators to another cereal box. Did I mention these were in cereal boxes? They're in cereal boxes. I was about to ask. I was pretty sure they were. But I was like, she'll probably say something. This one was on a post-toasties box with the T circled. Because T is a letter in toasties. And it's also a letter <laughs> in torture. Inside, they find that it contained another Barbie doll. This one had a string around its neck, and that string was attached to a small piece of PVC pipe. Accompanying the doll was the label, Chapter 9, Hits, PJ Little Mix 11574. PJ is what what he called his projects, which I literally, every time I read it, I was just thinking, pajamas. But, you know. We're too wholesome. Uh, Yes, that's... It's true. I am very wholesome and not at all fucked up in the head. Uh, But this was clearly supposed to be a representation of the 11-year-old Josephine Otero, which is fucked up. I was going to say, you're fucked up in the head, but at least you're not fucked up like fucking Dennis. I'm not, and if, just saying, if I were a serial killer, I have some great ideas. I would not be copying off of all these other pricks. Don't make me put you down. It's time for guillotines. Oh, that's different. That's just (laughs) eating the rash. 
Yet another box was found, Roya. I know you can't fucking believe it, but we're getting to the end here. And boy, am I excited to tell you about what happens next. Another box is found. This one was a special K box. Because it has the big, a K in it. The I big get K it. was circled. The giant K, <laughs> in case someone missed it. Just in case you didn't know. T is for toasties. This one was found at a Home Depot. (laughs) It's found at a Home Depot and it contained information about his special PJs. At least it wasn't about Sparky Big Time again. It wasn't Sparky Big Time in it this time. Uh, It contained uh, information about his projects and his murder barn and shit. To say his what now? His murder barn. Yeah, they were talking about how uh, he, you know, he loves to reference these other serial killers, and H. H. Holmes had his murder palace. Accurate. Denny wanted a murder barn. I mean, he is in Kansas. When in Kansas, do as the Kansasans do. So this is the part where things get so good, folks. Hold on. Among the items in this box is a note to the police with the question asking, I, I, you're laughing already. Don't beat me to this punch. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not with, the, with the question asking, God, he's so fucking stupid. If he could give them a floppy disk and if they would be able to trace it back to the computers he had used. Of course not, Denny. Uh, the Why quote would from we the... want to do that? I so the quote from <laughs> the communication is actually, can I communicate with Floppy and not be traced to a computer? Be honest. Well, yeah, I'm I mean, the, mis- the police have to tell you the truth, right? That's, that's it's right. In their, it's in the oath that they take. Protect and serve and always, always tell the truth. <laughs> that's right. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. It goes along with don't uh don't kill people. That's right in their repertoire. So, uh then he goes on, uh under miscellaneous section four ninety four, put Rex. It will be okay. Run it for a few days in case I'm out of town, etc. I will try a floppy for a test run sometime in the near future, February or March. So yeah, the like like you said, the police were super honest and said, "No man, don't send us a floppy disk. We're definitely going to get you that way." That way, cuz they're they're just they don't lie. Except for that I'm kidding and they run the ad, "Rex, it'll be okay." Of course they do. <laughs> and so I also read I also read that he liked to be called Rex because it rhymed with sex. Just FYI. Oh. So like I said, they run the ad. Jesus the TV Christ. station. This is a guy receives... like in his sixties. He was arrested at fifty nine. <laughs> cool. He's... That's just that's Quentin Tarantino levels of dumb humor. My name is Buck. I like to fuck. Mm. I like call me Rex because it rhymes with sex. Like yeah. I could see that being. <laughs> Another character in a Quentin Tarantino movie. That's right. <laughs> Kill Bill Volume 3. Let's go. That's right. Let me name so characters. 
Dennis named that. How dare you? Yeah. Don't, don't steal from him. He's so smart and important. Well, you know what? He'll be proud that I was a derivative based on his derivative existence. You hear that, Quentin Tarantino? Quentin Tarantino, I know you listen. Yeah. Let me name characters fan. in Kill Bill Volume 3. I've got one already. <laughs> so, the station received a letter thanking them for their help. And thanking the police for being honest. Oh, yeah, you're welcome, Denny. I'm <laughs> oh, sorry, Rex. Later, <laughs> a few weeks later, they get... It's not even a rhyme. They get the disc, Roya. It's not even a fucking rhyme. <laughs> even his rhyme is derivative. <laughs> I hate him so much. So, on this disc, <laughs> one valid file and it says this is a test and this test directed police nowhere because they couldn't backtrace it because they would tell the truth in this in this testing file he also directed the police to read the accompanying index card with instructions for how to communicate further in the property section of the document however police found that the file had been saved by somebody named Dennis. They also discovered that the disc had been used at both the public library and, are you ready for this? You're not going to believe where this was used. The Christ Lutheran Church. Please tell me that the Christ Lutheran Church had a website. Oh, you know what? He, They did. So... The best part is he tried to delete his information from the disc and it didn't work. So they literally just Google the church. <laughs> and guess what? By this time, Dennis was the president of the congregation. Ooh, a bigger pillar of the community, I see. Also, going back to the whole symbolism bullshit, the, the disc was purple. It was purple because Dennis claimed be purple... Being a symbolism, symbolism, being a symbol of royalty made it symbolic of BTK. Because Rex is also king, if you want to get into that. I mean, yes, but I doubt he knew that. It just rhymed with sex. So, he made I a told symbol. you. He made something symbolic and didn't even realize. Sounds about right. Yep. So I told you, I told you, Roya, that I had to phone a friend about the usefulness of floppies in 2005. Yeah. And they were on their way, way out. Yeah. He could have used a thumb drive. He could have used a normal compact disc. But, you know, he's a 59-year-old <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, he's 60 years old. <laughs> he uses a floppy disc. Well, and... I mean, just like his Sparky, probably. <laughs> on uh, February 25th. 2005, the Wichita police surround Raider's car after he ate lunch at work and led him to a waiting police car where he was handcuffed and placed under arrest. Denny claims, I did what the son of Sam did. I said, hello, Mr. Landwer. Now we get into the 32 hour long interrogation turned confession. So first, Denny is really sad that he was lied to. <laughs> he's not mad, he's just disappointed. From the article I read, 
from the American Bar Association website. Mm-hmm. He, quote, expressed shock at the fact the police would intentionally deceive him, saying he thought he had a rapport going with Landwehr, who, Lieutenant Ken, uh, Ken Landwehr, by the way, uh, it was the head of the task force at the time that was trying to catch him, and whom Dennis referred to by his first name. He reportedly kept asking the lieutenant why he lied. Why you lied to Danny? And make him big sad. <laughs> I I just don't understand why you lied to me. You know, so. it's not that you're a murdering pile of shit. No, absolutely not. Wasting all of our time and money trying to catch you playing this cat and mouse bullshit. So Dennis tries to hold back at first. But he confessed. He eventually was like, listen to all the cool shit I did. And Landwehr said, once they got him started, they couldn't shut him up. He seemed proud of his crimes. He spoke highly of himself and confessed that he enjoyed the publicity. (sighs) So, as Roya mentioned earlier, they had a lot of DNA from his sparky big time in it at the crime scene. Disgusting. So all these years, you know, they didn't have DNA testing. And we have now this technology that started to come about. And people were desperate to test it. But Landwork was like, yo, hold up. We're not running that until we have someone to test it against. Because he was concerned that the samples would be destroyed. So he's a smart cookie. And so they had actually gotten a sample from a court order uh, from Denny's daughter, Carrie, from a pap smear. And uh, this plays into her thing later because she was kind of upset about that. Um, Which I get. And of course, yeah. But of course it matches up. And so they're like, yeah, this is the guy. Um, during a search of his home, the police found a variable smorgasbord of evidence. They find various sundries that tied him to the crimes, newspaper clippings, trophies from crime scenes, maps to victims' homes, photos of himself in his bondage positions when he was doing his own auto-asphyxiation bullshit, and his slick ads. Go ahead. Go ahead and ask me what those are. I don't want to (laughs) know. Does it have something to do with his Sparky or the big time? It might. Because he took photos out of magazines and drew on these women to make them look like they were in bondage. And that was, like, his thing to do. I guess that's how he he got it off when he wasn't actually doing it. You know, he could have just went and... Done that the whole time? Bought a magazine. Right. Like, and then, hell, 2005, I mean, there was porn on the internet. That would not be something... That a pillar of the community would do on his computer. <laughs> but Denny's friends and family are absolutely fucking shook. Paula, his wife, filed for an emergency divorce immediately, put their house on the market, and the daughter I saw later said the day he was arrested was the last day they were in that house. She was basically like, boom, I'm done here. Yeah, I don't blame him. He went on to say he wished he knew that it was the last day he'd see Paula because 
she was not anywhere to be seen after that and they have not seen each other since why would she why would she july 27th uh 2005 dennis goes to court he was pleading guilty so there's no long drawn out trial but boy howdy if you want to get really angry for some reason nothing can do that better than watching the cold remorseless graphically detailed recounting of events from that plea hearing yeah i found the uh text version online it was pretty rough god there was one one moment where he's the judge asks him something and he goes well uh and then he just kind of slaps his lips together like and you're like oh my fucking god because by the way the the families of the victims they are here they are here listening to this in his confessions uh, during this court plea hearing he stated that he committed these crimes to feed his sexual fantasies he admitted that his attacks were premeditated and that he would stalk his victims to learn their daily routines he actually tries to <laughs> i wrote the word crime splain to the judge <laughs> Oh, yeah, I think I remember this. (laughs) If you know anything about serial killers, you know they go through phases. (laughs) He starts to describe his fucking phases. My God. Like, bruh. Bruh. Yeah, like, first it's the trolling phase, and then it's the blah, blah, blah It's crawling, and then trolling, and then stalking. I don't remember all of them, but yeah. So... After he admitted to all 10 of these murders, the families of the victims were allowed to speak. And Denny McSmallprick was then given an opportunity to make a statement, which was supposed to be an apology. But instead, he spent over 20 minutes just talking about himself. And it was clear there was not an apologetic bone in his body. On August 18th, 2005, Judge Waller sentenced Denny to 10 consecutive life sentences. He is serving in segregation in El Dorado, Kansas. He is in a cell for 23 hours a day, and he has no access to materials that would fulfill his fantasies. Unfortunately, he will be eligible for parole in 2180. When he will be... That's a joke. That's a joke, everybody. He's (laughs) going to be real dead. He's going to be real dead. He's 75 now, right? God, I don't fucking know. He was 60 when he was arrested, and it's 2020. So yeah, 75. Math? Math, yes. We good at math. (laughs) So, uh, so Stephen King's story, A Good Marriage, was inspired by the story of Dennis Rader. And Rader agrees it's a good likeness of him, which is gross and I hate it. And from what I understand, his kids don't have a relationship with him at this point. But his daughter, Carrie, the one whose pap smear was taken for the DNA test without her knowledge, she wrote a book. Yeah. Both of the children maintain he was a good father, not abusive at all. And Carrie's story is a str- strange thing about how she struggled with forgiving her father. Gross. And I wish I knew how to process this because there's a there's this news report on her book coming out and this channel reaching out and saying, hey, in the past, you said you've had issues with people profiting off this sort of thing. Uh, so what's happening with these profits? And she refused to answer. Well, yeah. Because, I mean, technically, like, legally, in most states, it's only the perpetrator of the crime that can't benefit. So there's nothing saying that the family of the perpetrator can benefit. 
Right. Unless there's some sort of court order put into place requiring her to give the But why are you coming out all pissed off at people like if Robert Beattie put out his book and he got profits from it? Because it's not her profits. Right, so... Something tells me that this extremely selfish human probably helped to produce some selfish children. Extremely help, yeah. At least oh, speaking seems of that books, way. Speaking of books, Dennis also sort of wrote a book. It is called Confession of a Serial Killer, The Untold Story of Dennis Rader, the BTK Killer. But it was co-authored through phone calls and letters with forensic psychologist Dr. Catherine Ramsland, which we both watch a lot of crime, true crime shows. She's on a lot of shit. She comes on and talks about a lot of stuff. Hmm. So I think you would recognize her if you saw her. Um, So they developed this. It's basically a cipher, but Danny, Danny, Denny wanted to call it a codex because... Of course he fucking did. Yeah. So to encrypt these messages... um, because he wanted it to be safe to write about his victims and his methods and all the fantasies that led him to commit these murders. And he claimed, you know, he wanted to work with Ramsland because he wanted her to understand his factor X, the reason for him, quote, going dark. And she, she says in that Rolling Stone, uh, Rolling Stones article that she's like, I think he was upset that it wasn't harder and that he wasn't this big mystery. (laughs) <laughs> I thought that was fucking hilarious. So some of the psychological symptoms of uh of Denny Denny Winnie Pissy Denny um are narcissistic personality disorder, antisocial personality disorder, impulsive behavior, bipolar disorder, and psychopathic personality disorder. So he's got a few personality disorders. Um so there were a lot of things that would have created this situation. Um, and there's a big question of uh, nature versus nurture in this case. Uh, we talked last week about Mary Bell and psychopathic personality disorder. What do you do with that? You get it treated. She obviously was able to better herself and understand her condition and move on. Denny Winnie Pissy Penny, not so much. I don't think he cared. That's that's what I mean. Like <laughs> and he was he didn't see it as a problem. The the fact that he was actively tying dogs in bondage and jizzing on them. <laughs> heaven is sparky big time. Like that's fucked up. And if you don't see that there is a problem with that there's a problem with that. He also liked to, to tie up cats and drown them, which is fucked up. Yeah. And I hate him. Did we mention that we hate him? And that he sucks a lot? And my biggest problem with the whole book thing, I'll tell you, is because he loves it. Oh, yeah. That's my biggest thing. Like, there's the, the news uh, story that I was listening to. It was just like a, some local news channel talking about this. And, um, he apparently wrote them a letter because they had reached out and said, hey, how do you feel about your daughter putting out this book that basically throws you under the bus? And he was like, I'm proud of her. Have you read my book? (laughs) (laughs) Get fucked. I hate this guy. Yeah, and like that's not even to mention 
all of the impact he's had on not only his own family, but the families of his victims. Like, I was reading about um, Charlie Otero. The, oh, yeah. He had a documentary. Yeah, and he had a really extremely hard life after all of this, which, of course, he did. He just yeah. lost half of his fa- over half of his family and found them. Yep. And, you know, he... From what I was reading, he had a lot of um, issues. He kind of went on the wrong side of the law for a while and made some bad decisions. But based on what I was reading, it seems like he's coming back um, around and is, you know, fixing and correcting what he did and, like, the mistakes that he made. And he's no, no longer living like that anymore, which I think is amazing. Yeah, because takes a lot. After going through all of this, it would be so easy to just be like, no, I'm fucking done. Like, I'm yep. fucking done. I just found my mother, father, and youngest brother strangled to death in my home. And I found my little sister downstairs tied up with her underwear around her ankles and sparky big time all over the place. Yeah. It's fucking disgusting. I know, it's the worst. Rex rhymes with sex. He also at one point tried to, like, make Fox rhymes with sex at some point. Uh, a thing with Nancy Fox. And it was like, no, brah. That's not how that works. That's, you can't just make things rhyme because they both have an X in them. But, Casey, it's consonant, vowel, consonant. It makes sense. That's how rhymes work. Oh, okay. That to be the Sorry, same un- type of letter. In a letter. I was unawares. That's how you do the the Sparky Big Time school of poetry. Oh, okay. Oh, God. Whatever you do, people, don't look up as poetry. Except for you might want to look up as poetry, because that's really fucking weird. Did you, oh, is it God, really bad? Is it like Hitler's paintings? Oh, fuck. Let me pull up the one, because it is so bizarre. It was uh, one of the ladies that he, he went to her house and she never showed up. Anna, why didn't you arrive or something? Anna Williams, BTK poem. Here it is. Oh, Anna, why didn't you appear? Twas perfect plan of deviant pleasure so bold that on spring night my inner felling hot with propension of the new awakening season, warm, wet with inner fear and rapture, my pleasure of entanglement like new vines at night. Oh, Anna, why didn't you appear? drop of fear fresh spring fresh spring rain would roll down from your nakedness to scent to lofty fever that burns within that in that small world of longing fear rapture desperation the games we play fall on devil ears fantasy spring forth mounts to storm fury then winter calm at the end oh anna why didn't you appear? Alone now, in another God, time span, more. I lay with sweet and rapture garments across my most private thought. Bed of spring moist grass, clean before the sun, enslaved with control, warm red scenting the air. Sunlight, sparkle tears in eyes so deep and clear. Alone again, I trod in past memory of mirrors and ponder why for... Number eight was not, oh, Anna, why didn't you appear? 
Have you ever seen So I Married an Ex-Murderer? No, I did not. Okay. It's a super... Is that the one with Mike Myers? Yeah, it's a super funny Mike Myers movie. But um, he is a, like, a slam poet, randomly. Oh, Jesus. And that just reminds me of one of his poems in it. Because it's just like, I can't remember the character, the girlfriend's name. But it's just like, oh, Sharon, why did you go? Where are you now? (laughs) Oh, God. So bad. That's, I'm going to start saying to you when I feel lonely, I'm going to be like, oh, Anna, oh, please. why didn't you appear? Please don't. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> All, if you do, I will only respond with gifs of other people having Sparky big time. Ew. <laughs> that is Ew. my promise. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well... Are we done with so this shit show? What did we discover today? This guy was an asshole. And he was fucking stupid. And we hate him. And we hate and him. And you should too. Yeah. Hashtag get better idols I stole from Bailey Syrian. <laughs> anyway. Speaking of so, derivative. <laughs> for real. I'm the worst. Thank you for joining us today as we explored the strange and unusual story of Dennis McFuckface, I mean Raider. Next week, we are heading south to Brazil, where we will discuss their bizarre stories and butcher their names. We hope (laughs) that you will reach out to us with your own experiences. I didn't think I'd get that much of a reaction. I'm really happy that that landed. I didn't read it Um, ahead of time because I never do. We hope that you will reach out to us with your own experiences. We want to hear your stories, your questions, your feedback. Send us an email at strangeunusualpodcast at gmail.com. If you are sending a story, we would ask that you just put listener story in the subject line so we can sort through those a little more easily. We would love to do a listener story episode someday soon. Did you so tell or us. a relative live down the street from Dennis Rader? I'd like to know. Do you also think Dennis Rader is a big fat McFuckface? Are you suspicious, rightfully so, of pillars of your community? Send them to us where we can speculate wildly about their possible guilt and crimes. Let's do it. (laughs) You can also find us on Instagram at strange underscore unusual underscore podcast. Or our personal accounts, Roy Rampage and Calamity Casey, where we post the weird shit in our personal lives. You can find us on Twitter at underscore strange unusual, at Calamity Casey, and at Roy Rampage. We're on Facebook, just search for the Strange and Unusual podcast. Also, if you like, you can join us over on our Patreon at patreon.com slash strange unusual, where... Where we have a special Discord that is set up. We have episodes that have not been heard on the podcast main page. We're recording more almost every time we're recording as well. So there will be new content coming out on it. There is going to be exclusive polls for who we cover or where we go in the future. As an example of the one that some of you listeners did um, to vote on this episode. That's our Patreon page, and votes like that can be cast for a small fee in the future. 
Um, yeah, so we've got different tiers, tier options where you can pick completely, like you just pay us money and we talk about whoever you want us to talk about for an hour or so, or what country we go to next or different things like that. Um, we're also going to start doing some things on our Discord where we're going to be like live streaming a show or movie and then talking about it in the chat um, so you can join us while we do so um, or watch it later with like a riff tracks type situation happening. Um, it's going to be fun. Yeah, we've also talked about doing riff tracks, uh, which is like Mystery Science Theater 3000, but to uh, serial killer and forensic files and true crime documentaries. Uh, where we just kind of mock them. <laughs> it's going to be fun. Because we're horrible people. We are. But that all being said, we understand right now with COVID and everything going on with the world, especially the United States who can't get their shit together, that money is a little tight and interests are being spread a little thin as far as other companies or other companies, other organizations and groups that need the funding more than we do. So we totally get it right now might not be the best time for you to donate and help us continue. But what you can do instead is, or in addition to, is like, share, and subscribe to our podcast. It really helps us with the numbers and getting on the algorithms and on to lists to get other people to listen to us. If you know someone that you think might enjoy us, Give our Facebook updates a share on Facebook or Twitter. Retweet us. Anything like that will help us. You know, even if it's just one new listener, we appreciate we, it. And we want them hot take reviews too, Beach. Oh, yeah. Yeah, if you leave us a review, let us know. Um, send us an email and we will go track it down and read it on the air. And then you'll be just as famous as us and Quentin Tarantino will know who you are. <laughs> Because he definitely listens. He absolutely listens. I'm gonna, How dare I'm gonna, you suggest otherwise? I'm gonna like put that on, write that in my dream diary, and it'll okay. I'll will it into existence. <laughs> will it into existence? Exactly. Wow, this was a doozy. Yeah, I just. I already know he sucks um, and he's awful and I hate him. Continue. I already know that I'm gonna need a break from this bullshit. So I'm probably going to go back to just some ghosts or something in Brazil. <laughs> Maybe talk about some dead bodies. I don't know. It's not going to be this. I feel like there's Look, something I really wanted to cover in Brazil, but now I don't remember. Well, my child. Sweet summer child. My darling angelfish. <laughs> with, with that, I think we should probably call it a night. You got a lot of work to do here with this editing of us. Oh, Anna. Just being batshit crazy. Anyway. All right. Mad, mad love, folks. Till Stay next away time. from Wichita. Yeah. See ya. Bye. Bye. Casey's too good to try to do that with me anymore. Well, you didn't count it down. We never counted it down. We would sometimes count it down because you were really bad at it. I was. Okay. I was really bad at it. It's definitely not your fault. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>